0: Sally, being able to change gears like that halfway through without faltering, that's that's a gift. Uh, There's two ways to relate to God. I know that sounds awfully simplistic, uh, and I can assure you that when you look at the the two ways, then you can drill down and make it even more complicated. There's many ways that you can relate to God, but broadly speaking, there's two ways to to relate to God. The first is to lean in to God and to listen to what he says and with, with your mind switched on to seek the truth, to, to, to engage with him, to respond to what he has done for us, to lean in and to listen to God. There's the first way to relate to him. The second is to wrestle with him. And uh, that comes in all sorts of different ways. You can have the extreme wrestling of just denying his existence, but there's much more subtle ways of just assuming that you are right and he's wrong, uh, etc. Two broad ways of responding to God. Wrestle with him, fight with him, or lean in and ask, what is it that you are doing in this world and how do I fit into your plans? One is righteousness and the other one is self-righteousness. Uh, you can't help but notice the difference between and, and the, the differences and the similarities between last week's story and this week's story. Last week we had the angel Gabriel appear to Zechariah. It was the same angel appearing to Zechariah to give a message about a birth of a child. And here we have the same angel Gabriel appearing to Mary and giving her the message from God of a birth of a child. Some great similarities, and Luke in his writing puts them right next to each other. It's not we're not supposed to. Um, be surprised by this similarity Luke says here's two stories compare them would you and we compare them and find that Zechariah even though he was a elderly mature priest and Mary is a very young virgin girl one wrestled with God's message and the other leaned in to consider what God was saying there's the similarities and the differences I'm going to talk about three things in this passage uh, today as we, as we continue this little brief uh, Christmas series called The Angel Said To, and today we're, we're listening to what the angel said to Mary, and we're going to look at how, um, uh, first point, favour with God, we're going to look at that. Uh, he, he, Jesus, will be great, and God's word will never fail. These three headings are very typical Christian headings. There's nothing surprising about them. Well, let's dig in and see what we actually learn about this. And the word grace will come out of every single section of this, of this passage. Um, first of all, favour with God. This is not favour with Mary. This is my point here, that God, didn't fi- it, God isn't receiving favour from Mary, but Mary is receiving favour from God. Let me read again, verse 26 and 27. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. We Again, a story has begun. We set the scene. The, the, the camera zooms in to uh, the region of Galilee, to the town of Nazareth, uh, and to a, a virgin who's pledged to a man named Joseph. And they are he is a descendant of David. The virgin's name is Mary. Nobody, uh, Mary's a, a nobody, and yet, She's a descendant of David. Uh, her and and Joseph, as we read further in the book of Luke, uh, both descendants from from King David. Uh, this is part of God's plan to find somebody who will fit the bill, so that when Jesus is born into the world, he will be of the of the line of David. So he will be um, legitimately uh, a kingly uh, of the kingly line. So Mary is. A nobody, and yet she is a descendant of David. But Mary was favoured because God's face shines upon her. Let me read to you verse twenty-eight. The angel went to her and said, "Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you." Uh, Mary was greatly troubled at these at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. That's fair, fair enough. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. There's a lot of information in that little verse there, those couple of verses. You see, that it may it may seem natural to read this, that God has looked over the entire planet Earth and found just the right person, and that God has finally... Uh, A smile is put on God's face because look at how good Mary is. She's a wonderful little perfect child, um, pure and innocent, and so God favours her. But really the the language of of, um, being favoured by God is always about God turning his face towards you. It's his election. It's his choice. Um, That's uh, the prayer in, in the book of Numbers. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you as opposed to God turning his face away and, uh, and uh, curses or, um, or bad news comes your way. She's, she's found favour with God and it's not the other way, other way around. The virgin will be uh, with child and shall be called. Now this is interesting. The virgin will be with child and the child will be called. What? That's the right answer, Jesus. But if you knew your Bibles and you knew the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, you'd be thinking the name of the baby should be Emmanuel, surely. This is directly from Isaiah 7. The virgin will be with child and she'll conceive and that his name will be Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. A wonderful, wonderful phrase. Very simple. One word meaning such a great, um, vast, glorious truth that God is with us. Now, that is uh, in line with what I'm talking about with God's face shining upon Mary. God with us is God's favor being delivered to us. It's not just Mary who's receiving the favor of God. It's the human race who's receiving the favor of God, that God would be with us, the eternal God. Uh, eternally good, separate from us, not part of creation, not the God who is in creation, but the God over creation, the the creator of the universe, he is going to come and dwell with us. And so when Mary is told that you are going to conceive and you're going to name the child Jesus, and we understand that the, the, the name Jesus means that the Lord saves, these two very different words begin to sound very similar, that God is going to save by being with us. He will shine his face upon us. He will actually dwell and come and be part of the human race so that he would lay down his life for all who would turn to him. God will save us by becoming one of us. <clears throat> Mary and the whole human race are receiving this grace, this grace of God. The message from the angel to Mary is about grace and mercy. And the Saviour has come to us. We should never, you know, we can't put, throw stones at Mary. Uh, she's a wonderful... Um, sister in Christ but she has been chosen, favoured God's face shine upon her to give her the special privilege of being God's one and only son it's not that God has been privileged for Mary to offer this gift to him but he has offered this gift to her and what Mary is told about her son is amazing Uh, God's that's not the one Uh, I'm missing a screen That's my fault. Okay? Uh, He will be great. God will be great. Let me read to you verse 32 and 33. This is the description. This is what the angel said to Mary. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Packed into those two verses are two great, amazing truths. The first thing is that he... Well, he will be great, but how will he be great? Because he will be the son of the Most High. That, that phrase, most high, it's not ambiguous. It's not camouflaged, secret. Uh, no one could really understand what this means. It is... It is God. The Most High is God. It's not a uh, a title that's that's suddenly been used and never been used in the Bible before. Back in Genesis 14, the Most High is described as the creator of heaven and earth, not one with creation, but over it, making everything down here into being, bringing it into being. He is the Most High. You cannot get higher than him. This is, by definition, God. In Deuteronomy 32, uh, the Most High is described as the sovereign God who marks out the ends of the world and decides who will live where this is about the sovereignty of god not just that he is the creator who sets the world in place and sits back but the god who creates the world and leans in and decides who will be where and do what Uh, not like a chess player exactly but like the one who does nothing takes him by surprise he is not like anything else in all the universe and this is his son who is coming into the world to save sinners He will be the son of no less than the God supreme, sovereign over all creation. And in Luke's gospel, we're reading the the account of the angel visiting Mary in Luke's account. In chapter 8 of Luke, Luke 8, 28, it's the demons who declare, when they see the grown-up Jesus, they say, what do you want with us, uh, son of the Most High? They know exactly who he is, and they understand that this Son of the Most High is not just to be uh, gooed at like a, uh, an innocent little baby in a manger, but the one who can, who will threaten uh, evil in this world. This is the one who is, who Mary is going to conceive. And then the second thing in those two verses is the truth that he will reign forever. He will reign forever. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords. He will be the uh, God's king as predicted in 2 Samuel chapter 7. It's a Beautifully big, bright, shining chapter in the Old Testament where David is given a strong, solid prophecy that one day, one of your descendants, David, will sit on the throne of Israel but be the forever king. We like to call him the forever king. The king whose throne will never be um, overthrown. He is the the son of the Most High and he is the king who reigns forever. This is the message the angel gave To Mary if you'd like to know friends what is the most important thing to God what is most important to God for us to know in the Bible what is the most important thing to God that he wants us to know in the Bible it is who Jesus is is the most important thing to God his one and only son to God the Almighty he is his one and only son sent to save and to rule forever. He is to be known by us as our Saviour and our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who saves but the one who reigns. Uh, the Bible explains quite clearly, not ambiguously, that he is one uh, person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is not a, one of many sons of God. He is the eternal Son. He didn't come to be, Uh, on the day of the very first Christmas. It's just that he came to be one of us on that day of the very first Christmas. We say in our creeds that there was never a day that he was not. He is eternal uh, God, uh, begotten not made, uh, of one being with the Father, and so on. This, This true treasure of God has come into the world, and so how are we going to respond to God? Do we wrestle with God about the identity of Jesus, who he is and what he means to us, or do we lean into God and understand that Jesus is the bomb? Jesus is it. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. There is no way for us to be saved except through Jesus, and there is no way for us to uh, have eternal life but through Jesus, the one who reigns on the throne forever. We can lean into God's message and take note and respond rightly, or we can continue to wrestle against God's will for the world and think that well, Jesus means something to me, but how much does he mean to me? And when Jesus approached Mary and said, you are greatly favoured, he's giving Mary the gift of bringing the Son of God, the Son of the Mighty One, into the world so that we can come to know him, to lean in, and to understand who he is. Uh, And the last message that the angel says to, to Mary is that God's word never fails. God's word will never fail, and so we should lean in and listen to him. Let me reread verses 34 to 38. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? It's good for us to compare Mary's question with Zechariah's question. Zechariah's question seems to be of doubt, and, and you know, it's too little too late. I don't know, this is not really, this is really happening. There's a, there's a lot of doubt in Zechariah's question. But Mary's question is common sense. She is a virgin. How, what's the next step, <laughs> if you like? Uh, The the angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come on you and and the power of the Most High, there's that title again, the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, she's told, your relative is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive, that's what the word on the street was, Elizabeth will never have a child, never ever, it's impossible, well she's now in her sixth month. And the following words, verse six: For no word from God will ever fail. Mary responds, "I am the Lord's servant. May your word be uh, to me be fulfilled." And then the angel left her. Mary's questions, not like Zechariah's, he questioned the possibility, while Mary leaned in to know more. And so, as we lean into this question, this uh, response from Mary, and then the, the answer from the angel, uh, she says, "How can this be? Well, God is going to make it happen." It's going to be the Holy Spirit who does the work. It's going to be, the, it's going to be a, a miracle birth. And when God speaks something, when God speaks anything, that thing happens. We don't need to question it. No word from God ever fails. His plans are not fickle like yours and mine. I, I, I embarrass myself. Uh, I know even this year I have said to people, I will, I will call that person or I will email you. And then the emails come so late. Uh, it's not that I didn't mean what I said when I said it. It's just that life gets in the way and things get... But that doesn't happen to God. When God speaks, it happens. When God says uh, he will do something, then he does exactly that thing. It's, it's amazing the amount of Old Testament uh, sentences that are applied directly to the Lord Jesus Christ. But hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years went by between God announcing that it will be hap- happening and when it happened. But that doesn't change the fact that it happens. When God says that this, that Jesus, the Son of God, will come into this world to save sinners, to be Jesus, the, one, uh, the Lord who saves, then it happens. His word says, come to Jesus as Lord and Saviour and you will receive eternal life with glory. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. You can come to the Father through me and no other way. When God says these things, do we lean in and say, yes, amen, hallelujah? Or do we sit back and think, well, maybe maybe this is true or maybe it's not and let me just turn the TV on and get on with binge-watching something? You see how important the the message of Jesus coming into the world is. It's crucial that when you hear this, you turn to Christ and live, uh, and not overlook it, not reject it, but even don't dance around with it. If we uh, if we accept Christ as Lord, then Jesus, then God the Father accepts us. You accept His Son, then you are accepted in, into the kingdom. But we reject the Son, or dance with Him, or hold off on doing business with Him then we will be rejected from the kingdom of God. That's the transaction. God has given us the one access into the kingdom, and if we do anything but embrace it, then, then the writing on the wall is that we are not welcome into God's kingdom because Jesus is the precious son of God. And, uh, and later on in, in Jesus' ministry, the voice from heaven will look down and say, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. Friends, I'm going to pray. Uh, I, I pray that as uh, the, the day goes on and uh, in the afternoon we're having our carols uh, in the car park, God's given us the best weather of all week, uh, past and future, today, for us to gather in the car park and to sing carols. A uh, b- big smile came on my face at the beginning of this service when we sang Joy to the World. and uh, We all sang, and there's, that's, that's our response. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. That is what we want to do. Uh, this afternoon as we gathered in the in the car park if you are free and able to come uh, what a great testimony to our neighborhood when they just hear people who have turned to christ singing uh, the joys of christmas that christ has come that's the message of christmas uh, it's it's not the quaint uh, stories of donkeys traveling over over deserts with a pregnant woman it's about the god the son of god who traveled across eternity to save us and praise God that he He has. So let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your sovereignty over all things. God most high, we, we acknowledge that we are your creatures and we lean in to listen to your word. King Jesus, thank you for coming to this world to save us. May we find favour with you through your Son, the one who reigns over heaven and earth as we put our trust in you. Amen.